For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. a good football Friday morning. Yes, we can call it a football Friday because I watched football yesterday for about five hours. Been a while since we actually saw people on the football field. I don't know if you can actually. Well, I guess. The yeah, you didn't watch football. You didn't watch the football. coach has got the football in his hands and he's directing them back, forward, left. That's about the extent of the actual football. To play football, you need a football and there wasn't a whole lot of footballs out there but it was guys on a football field running around and uh moving themselves up and down draft charts so it was a quasi football let's call it quasi football friday here on birds 365 macamac mcmullen and mcdonald here to hang with you and yes um i wasn't in front of the tv at three o'clock when it started but i knew i hit record uh, before I uh, ever got going with my day. So I got back to it shortly thereafter and then watched basically all five hours, a little fast forwarding through. But it was nice to get football back on my television, which I hadn't had in uh, several weeks. Defensive bigs, Johnny Mac. And yes, the Eagles are in need of defensive bigs, be it inside the defensive line. Probably not a great need outside the defensive line on the edge. Could become an even bigger need. And linebacker, which we know they almost always need, but they don't always prioritize. What jumped out at you when you watched some combine action yesterday? Well, I, I, A, I didn't watch much of it. I got a, you know, full disclosure. I'm not, uh, I'm not as big a fan as the combine as you are. Um, I was mainly writing and doing uh, stuff, uh, and and I had it on on the NFL Plus in the background. But yeah, I'm not a, a you know. We talked to Randy Mueller yesterday, and you know the measurables are aren't 
as important, I think, as people think, unless you get those outliers. Occasionally, you get somebody who jumps off the page, and then you kind of go back to the film and see, hey, did we miss something with this guy? That type of thing. Um, but I guess, you know, after talking to Rick Saratella yesterday, um, I think he ended up on Chop Robinson, a prospect you and I don't necessarily like at 22, but he helped himself as Penn state players typically do. They have a reputation for uh, testing very well. And he certainly did. So I think that's a name you got to put in the mix pretty, um, pretty seriously at 22 for the Eagles. We'll see if they, they fall for that. And, uh, hey, they did last year with Nolan Smith at 30. I mean, that's one of the reasons, because he was a tremendous athlete, tremendous tester. Um, and I, I think Chop ran a 4.48 in the 40s, so a lot of hype to that. Um, and, you know, 254, I think he weighed in, so a, a little bit more size, too, to be able to run that fast. So it is pretty impressive. Uh and that would be the name since I was focused on the Eagles and Rick had put it in the back of my mind. Um, and that all depends on Hassan Raddick and what happens and, and, and we'll see. But if, if the Eagles do trade Hassan Raddick, they're going to have to seriously consider an edge rusher at, at 22. And that was the name that popped out to me. It was the name that grabbed the most attention because he ran the fastest time. 448 is fast. That's really fast. They had one uh, graphic, I guess you'd call it a graphic video, where they show some of the top rushers and the time that they ran in a 40 uh, on on the screen. And you can see each of them uh, where they would have finished up at a specific spot and Chop Robinson was on the line at 448. Uh, last year's defensive rookie of the year, the kid from uh, um, who won, uh, I know, uh, uh, Will Anderson. Will Anderson was uh, a solid couple strides behind him. And last year's defense play, Nick Bosa, not even close. Bosa ran like a four seven something, um, yeah. and that didn't take him out of being the good good on the 49ers for not uh, letting that overplay their hand in selecting Nick Bosa when they did. Um, you could see how fast, like uh, one of the fastest edge times in the history of the combine. And I knew he was going to do it. Like you said, when we had Ricky on yesterday, I asked who's the guy who could really jump off the screen and make a name for it. He said, Chop Robinson. Yeah, he, he had run that fast all year long with all the next-gen stats that they have and the ability to uh, get times on guys while playing in games. Knew he was going to put up a big number, and he absolutely did, so more power to him. There's speed, John. There's track speed, and then there's football speed. And I think his track speed is off the charts great. I'm not sure that his football speed is 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 as great as it does. The two don't seem to match up to me. Uh, I'm not telling you that I think the guy's going to be a bust. But if the Eagles take him at number 22, they could be looking at two years in a row of taking a guy on the edge whose track numbers outdo his football numbers. And I hope that's not the case with the Eagles this year. Yeah, I, I, it, well, you, you brought up Nick Bosa, and and that's a good name because that's the reigning defensive player of the year, right. um, who arguably, you know, derailed the Eagles' season at least if, if you believe what he says. But, um, 
you know, he, how many times you got to run 40 yards playing edge rusher in the NFL? Sometimes you do with these crazy quarterbacks, but very rarely, and that's not going to be a meaningful part of the game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about with Randy yesterday. It's it's great. You know, you got to You got to hit a base level uh, to play in this league. You got to be a good athlete. But because you're a good athlete doesn't mean you're a good football player. Now, Chop's a good football player, um, you know, and what are we talking? Worst case scenario, bridge pick for him. And I don't I think that's out the window. And by bridge pick, I mean, end of first, early second round at the bare minimum. And that's if he tested poorly. Now that he tested well, I'm pretty confident he's going to go in the first round. But I think 20 to 32 is the range he's going to be in. And yeah, I don't think much changed. Uh, from that standpoint, I, I don't, you know, there, there are bad teams, there are bad organizations, there are teams that make bad decisions all the time, and I'm not saying it would be a bad decision. And then there are more judicious teams who put this stuff in its proper place. And um, over the years, now that they have so much more data, it's becoming more and more uh, difficult to, to get fooled. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, but it's what we're talking about now because it's what's going on. But I, I don't think it's, again, medical testing. There's a big story about Caleb Williams. Medical testing by far, by far the most important part of the combine. But you can't put that on TV. You know, what are we going to look at? A doctor hitting <laughs> some, I mean, what do we, so you, you, you throw everybody out there. They run a 40. We talk about it. But I don't think it changes the, the landscape that drastically. I do. I think it does change. The, well, not drastically, but I think it changes the landscape. Like you said, um, I would have thought Chop Robinson late first rounder. Now he's probably going to be right in that Eagle zone, may even be off the board by the time Eagles might not even get a shot at him. He may be gone by the time they pick. And I'm saying uh, that won't bother me because I'm not sure that he's good enough. Um, you know, I'm a Jared verse guy. I've been all year with the season he had at Florida State after transferring from the powerhouse that is the State University of New York at Albany. Um, and he did not disappoint either. He ran one of the fastest times, not as fast as Chop Robinson, uh, a little bit bigger, I think a little bit more tested, a little bit more of a football player. That's the guy I'm hoping for. I think there's a good chance that he too could be off the board by the time the Eagles go at 22. If before the draft, Hassan Reddick is elsewhere, and will free agency will have uh, certainly started and most of the major names will have come off the board by the time the draft uh, rolls around. It could be a need for the Eagles or it could be a major need for the Eagles with Howie Roseman if he targets one. And I think Robinson is one name versus another. I think Latu should be a name as well because he really does have true football speed and bend off the edge. The thing that scares me about him is when a guy has been forced to medically retire, which he did, he medically retired and then had a comeback transfer to UCLA. It was off the charts. Great for the Bruins this year. That is a little bit of a red flag for me. Those are the three defensive ends that I think you need to be looking at. Yeah. And be aggressive enough to trade up. 
Well, that's the thing. When you say, will he target an edge rusher? No, he won't target an edge rusher, but he'll target a, a player. Um, and a, a lot of names we've well, talked if, about. If that player is an edge rusher, then he's targeting an edge rusher. Well, that's what I mean. But he's not going to, in other words, he's not going to take those three players and say, I need an edge rusher. And uh, if if two of them are off the board, and uh, the the third one's there, but I don't like him that much. He's not going to go take an edge rusher. That's what I mean by that. Okay. So, um, you know, it could be Quenyon Mitchell. Everybody talks about a cornerback um, as a guy who you're probably going to have to trade up uh, uh, to get if you want to get him. Um, so he does that all the time. He, he's done it recently. He did it with Devontae Smith. He did it with Jordan Davis. He did it last year with Joe, Jalen Carter, even though he probably didn't have to, to be honest, but uh, didn't didn't hurt, and you don't want to risk it. Um, yeah, he does it all the time. So if one of those players, and it could be Quenyon Mitchell, it could be uh, one of the edge rushers, it could be um, somebody else that we're not thinking of. It could be one of the tackles uh, that we talked about that he thinks is so much better than everybody else. Uh, you, you might have to go up and get him. So it could go in a lot of different directions, but yeah, you're not going to target a specific position. He's going right. to target a specific player. Um, and that obviously depends on, and you brought up some of the uh, concerns and that's happened in the past when people say, how do you pass on DK Metcalf? Well, they had like a lot of teams that had medical concerns and he was red flagged and um, they weren't going to consider him until day three of the draft. So um, they're, they turned out to be wrong. And so did a lot of other NFL teams because they flagged him as well. Mm -hmm. um, and he stayed healthy. Nothing's perfect. It's not. If it were a science and a per, uh, and and it was easy, nobody would make mistakes. But uh, it all factors into it. And the guy that kind of jumped out for me yesterday, and we we certainly know it here in Philadelphia. He's probably still, even twenty years after the fact, the guy that people think about first when the phrase "combine warrior" is used. That's Mike Mamula. He was not thought to be a first-round draft pick. He went to Indianapolis and put up numbers that no one, A, no one expected, and some didn't even believe after the fact. He was that impressive in the combine, and the Eagles were the one who ended up biting, and they drafted him in the first round. Mumula wasn't terrible. No, he wasn't was a not. bust. No, like he was a good some player. people like to, oh, what a bust Mike Mumula was. He wasn't a bust. He just didn't play up to the level of where he was drafted in the first round. Um, but for whatever reason, and maybe it's just a Philly thing, and I'm I'm guilty of playing into it, that he's the guy who people point to. And I'm talking about, like, uh, you could hear uh, somebody on Good Morning Football and the NFL, oh, you don't want to pick Mike Mamula. Yeah. Even yeah. 20 years after, it's still part of it. I, I hope I didn't see Mike Mamula yesterday. You said you didn't watch much. Um, I had uh, knew of the guy's name, hadn't watched him play all that much, but Braden Fisk. Oh uh, yeah, he had defensive a, tackle. Holy yeah, mackerel! A, yeah, there's a uh, there's a guy named Kent Lee Platt. Uh, for those who want to follow him on Twitter, um, it's at Math Bomb. 
on X, uh, and he does something called the relative athletic score. And this is what I was talking about um, for all the data they have now. You go back to Mike Mamula. Everybody goes back to Mike Mamula, right? Everybody. And that was like 90, mid-90s. I'd have to look it up. Uh, it's over uh, 20 years. I yeah. know. Is it 30? I, we might be uh, sneaking up on 30. You might be right. Uh, let me, 95. So, yeah, we're sneaking almost, up on. Almost 30 years. So we're sneaking up on 30 years. Number one, obviously, Jeffrey Lurie wasn't even here. He was right before him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a completely different regime. How many different coaches? How many different, uh, 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 even though Howie's been here for a long time, he doesn't go back to 95. Uh, d- completely different regime. You have that 29 years of data 20 uh, uh we're, we're again when i bring up kentley platt and you bring up braden fisk and he's looking at all these players and comparing braden fisk to all these players um over the years and he tested off the charts i mean everything and the last guy to do it was ed oliver's become a a, a pretty good player in Buffalo. Uh, I, I thought he was going to be better because he was so dumb, but he hasn't been quite as good. He better Mamula. Yes. Uh, he's a good, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but I, I thought he was going to be really good. Is all I'm saying. Uh, I, I thought he was going to be dominant and, and, and it hasn't worked out to that degree, but he's been a really, really solid player and he's still uh, a good, a very good player. And he's so, of a possible, obviously, 100. So he ranked number six out of the 1,620 defensive tackles from 87 to 2024. That's how far back he goes. Number six um, of of that particular uh, number, I just lost it. What did I give you? Number six of 1,620. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. He but did. I, he, you know, I, I bet you Braden Fess isn't going to be the sixth best <laughs> defensive tackle over that range. That's so, why I, that's why I brought his name up, John. When you saw the numbers, you saw what he did. It was like, wow, how do I not know about this guy? He is so much better. He's so, he, he ran and not just because it's stopwatch, but he just looked faster. And everybody, you watch enough of this crap like I always do, you could actually. It's the old uh, eye test, and I really do believe I could tell by my that if I blocked the time at the bottom of the screen, I could tell you, yeah, that guy was really fast. And I saw it with Fisk. I said, how do I not know more about this guy? So I had to look him up. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be a nice player. He's off what he did in college. He's not a first-round draft pick. Yeah. But he might have played himself into the first round by not only having a good day at the combine, but a historically, John McMullen just told me, six best out of 1,600 measured at that position. 99.7 percentile. Yeah, That's how do you good. not take a guy who's 99.7 percentile in the first round? I uh, See, I wouldn't you take shouldn't. him. You shouldn't. You uh, shouldn't, but I'm I, telling you, Johnny Mac, as sure as I'm sitting here, as sure as my name's McDonald and your name's McMullen, Somebody's going to take them in the bottom of the first round. That's Mark possible. My it is very possible. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. That's the guy I want to take a flyer on in the third round. Right. That's He's where not I'm going to be there in the third round. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. But, uh, you know, if everybody gets smart, 
I'll, yeah, I'll take a flyer on him then and say, yeah, let's see what he can do. Let's, let's bring him in. But there's no way I'm taking him in the first round. I mean, again, that's what Randy said. You go back to the film, go, go back now, go back and look at the film and see if you missed something. And if there's something, you know, maybe your coaches can tap into that, the good people at Western Michigan. He was a jump. I, I believe he started at Western Michigan and finished at Florida State. So he's the typical um, jumper at the college level now. Everybody does it. So n- nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't take him in the first round. Well, will I say a hundred percent? No, no. There's tons of bad general managers, and, and they might go, "Oh, he's so athletic. Six out of sixteen twenty. Let's do it. Let's do it." That's all I'm saying is there'll be one because it only takes one. Only yeah. takes one team. Even if the other thirty-one of the thirty-two have the John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Randy Mueller take of. Well, no, just go back and watch the tape. Use it as a guide to go back and see what you. There'll be one team that'll go, oh, we can't pass on this kid. There's no way we can pass. And they'll call his name out in the first round. So that's something we now already need to watch for come late April. we got months to go before the draft. But since they're all on display in this job interview that is the Combine in Indianapolis, that's what we're talking about today. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Bird 65. I see our football Friday guy is already in the waiting room. We are ready to punch up Paul Domwich of the 3013.com and jacobsports.com. Domo joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Philadelphia fans. We're cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA and the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Combine Football Friday here on Birds 365. You got John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and the well-clad Paul Domowicz. <clears throat> and City Red Chief, did, did Andy Reid send that shirt to you directly? Did they get a little swag after the Super Bowl? Is that got a Chiefs logo? It looks like a, I got Dolphin logo on the side yeah. there. What, where, where, where do you get that shirt, Dom? Uh, strictly a Tommy Bahama model. Okay. All right. I thought maybe you were showing your Andy Reid love. Uh, how many times during your illustrious career did you have to go out and cover the combine? Uh, except for the year that I missed. No, actually, I didn't miss it for that uh, fractured hip. Uh, since 86, probably every one but uh, one or two. Yeah, you were there. Where was it? Uh, you weren't in New Orleans, were you? No, I, I first time I went it was the first year they had it in Indy. I actually went there to do a story on Paul Palmer. Uh, who was nice? Uh, yeah, was at the uh, combine, and uh, I was the only one there. Nobody thought of covering this thing at that point. <laughs> and uh, next year I started going, and you know, every year after that, those were the days. Did you call up the PR people and they go, What you want to come? <laughs> yeah, feel free. I, I, I loved India. It's, it's a, I mean, you, yeah, well, it's great. It's from yeah, the you know, it's how, how easy it is, and uh, you never have to go outside if it is cold. Evidently, it was nice this year. They had some 70-degree yeah. days. We'll see. It'll change by the time this thing is over. But, um, yeah, it's amazing how 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 it's – and that's what the NFL does so great. I mean, they've turned this into an event. Yeah. But I think it's – as they've turned it into a TV event, it's become less important for the teams. Do you get that sense? Yeah, uh, I think so, except for the medicals and the interviews. Everything else they can get by watching tape. Um, so I don't, you know, it's, it's you're right. Uh, I'm surprised it took so long for it to become a television event. I think I, I told you guys last week how hard the people that were running it for the league turned it into initially prevent want, didn't want the media anywhere close to it or fans. Yeah. Yeah. Then at some point they said, hey, you know, this could be a great, you know, the NFL Network came around 2002. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need programming. Hey, yeah. let's let's open it up, and that's what they did. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's nearly as important as it once was. Uh, you know, I, I'd hate to see it go to LA, which you know they they badly seem to want to do. But as as coaches and executives have said, it would just be a nightmare in LA. I mean, you got everything close by in Indy. You got, you know, the, the medicals yeah. and they get right over to the to the stadium. You do it in LA, you know, you're waiting it's traffic. a nightmare. I, I stayed when I went out there this year for the Eagles Rams game, I stayed, I think, two miles away. Uh and it took me 45 minutes to get there. Uh it's amazing. Yeah. Exaggerating a little bit, but yeah. L.A. would be a disaster, although I would love to see it from this perspective, Damo. I still don't think Sean McVay would cross the exactly. street. Exactly. Go he's not going to be there. <laughs> they put in L.A., you still won't get McVay there. That's exactly what I was going to say, John. Um, surfing. Yeah. Damo, uh, you predated something that John and I just brought up, which was 30 years in the making, which is the selection of Mike Mamula, which was the mid-90s. Yeah. 
Uh, and you you go back certainly further than that. So you've seen different iterations of the Philadelphia Eagles from pre-Jeff Lurie to Jeff Lurie to the many different coaches they've had. Uh, and certainly when there are those big changes in the organization, their philosophy and way of doing things is, of course, going to change. But I need you to give me just an Eagle grade in comparison to the other teams in the National Football League from when you started late 80s till today. Did the Eagles handle the combine well? Have they handled the combine well? Was there a group that you thought handled it better than maybe present day or those that you went back when you're there by yourself had the run of the place in 1986? How would you say the Eagles have handled the combine? You know, overall, I think they have found the proper middle ground as far as using it as a tool, but not over-relying on it. I mean, there have been exceptions. I mean, all we got to do is look at Davion Taylor a few years ago when, when you know, that that draft, that preparation, how he kind of got it, – it became an analytics thing. He just decided we need to increase our speed. Uh, you know, Davion Taylor had never played high school ball. He had – Played he had, one game, Damo, one he, game. He had played junior college ball before playing one year at Colorado. Uh and you know, but they, he ran the four. What did he run, John? Four, five. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I think it was better than that. Yeah, and they took him in the third round, and surprise, he couldn't play. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, they've managed to balance what they see there and what they would see on film. Um, you know, it's- I tried to uncover if uh, how he was a Seventh Day Adventist, and maybe that's why I took him. He ran uh, Damo. He ran a. Four three nine, that's why they took him. That's right. Yeah, four, four three nine. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I, but you I, know I, what? I was telling this because we were talking about Braden Fisk, who the defensive tackle from Florida State, who just tested off the charts yesterday. Um, sixth out of sixteen hundred and twenty, dating back to nineteen eighty seven. Um, there's this guy who does uh, Keith Lee Platt, who sort of looks at it and gives them mm-hmm. a score and it's interesting. So he was off the charts and I said, and he's probably going to be a second round pick. Um, it, now if something happens, cause he's, he's undersized, he's got small arms. We know how that works. And he falls to the Eagles in the third round. I'm like, yeah, I'll take a shot at him. So I, I don't have a problem with the Eagles taking a shot at Davion Taylor as much as, you know, if you go back in the day, and it's unfair because you know better than most, Mike Mamula was a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, pretty solid player. Now, did he live up to his draft status? No. But it, people act like he was a bust. He wasn't a bust. Yeah. If he At was the good. top of the draft, though, my point, sorry, Dama. You can't reach at the top because you got to find a contributor. You can yeah. take a third round, fourth round. Yeah. All, all day. Take a shot. But you can't do it at the top of the draft. Agree or disagree? Agree. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, you know, we saw that a few years back with Sidney Brown when they, I mean, talent-wise, seemed to have everything, but it was hurt. So he, you know, he flew up. He flew back. Uh, he was supposed to be the one of the best corners in the draft. Or Sidney, uh, not Sidney, Sidney Brown. Jones. Sidney Jones. Jones. You know, they got him in the first round. Thought they had uh, he struck oil. Uh, you know. They obviously well, didn't. they got him in the second round. So the whole thing with Sidney Jones was he was supposed to be like a top 15 pick. Somewhere right. in the second yeah. round. 
and uh, he tore his Achilles at his pro day. Yeah. Um, which, you know, obviously the timing, he's not going to be, he essentially had the red shirt. I think he made it back in week 17, yeah. uh, his rookie season, which was meaningless, but yeah, I mean, he just was never healthy. You never know with these injuries. And that's the thing, yeah. the medical test just today came across, uh, Ian, Ian Rappaport just tweeted that, uh, let me get it up. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, who's a potential pick uh, for the Eagles at 22nd overall, mm-hmm. has a Jones fracture in his right foot. Ooh. So he won't work out in Indy. Um, then he's got to get it fixed. Um, who knows if it'll be 100%, but that's that's the important part. So you might be able to cross Kool-Aid McKinstry off at 22nd because yeah. the Eagles want to deal with that type of injury. Or, you know, what Howie tends to do with injured players like that is, and, and he's not the only one, you calculate how far back yeah. it's, it's prudent to take a guy like that. You assume he's going to miss his rookie season, but is gonna, if, he's gonna, if your doctors tell you he'll make a full recovery, is it worth taking him a round later or two rounds later? Uh, you know, those are the calculations teams have to make. And that's what they did with Sydney, and it didn't work out. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So let me ask you a medical question, Damo. The number, the supposed overall number one pick, Caleb Williams, is not going to allow anyone to examine him in Indianapolis. <laughs> that's crazy, by the way. First player ever in recorded history to say, "Yeah, in the coming, good luck, go. Don't work out. They'll have meetings, but they, you're not getting me on the field. Don't want to hurt my stock at all." No one has ever not said, yeah, go ahead and poke and prod, do whatever you want. And we're led to believe that Caleb Williams is is health-free. He's not uh, hiding an injury. And it's kind of a, I'm Caleb Williams. I'll dictate all the terms to you. Do you think this could cost him the number one draft status? I don't think so. Uh, you know, and I blame it on his agent. I mean, the agents are the ones that are telling No, he doesn't him. have an agent. He's there by himself. He's got a team. He's wow. got a team of guys. He's got a monk to. That's hey, even, $11 million. That's he's got a whole worse. That's even worse because yeah. you got a whole bunch of people telling you, you know, they're going to they're going to make stuff up and and to to hurt your stock. And so, but I no, regardless he doesn't have to lift his arm there, get checked out by anybody. He's going to be the first pick in the draft. It, it, right. I, I got to be honest. If I'm Ryan Poles, it gives me pause. I want to talk to him about it. I, I want to know what's behind it. I, I, you know, because if it's, and everything depends on evaluation. Yeah. If you think he's lights out the best player, you're going to take him. Uh, but if you think Drake May is close, I mean, it might ship for me. Uh, Randy, we had Randy Mueller on yesterday, Dama. He was talking about Marvin Harrison. Um, what did Marvin not want to do, uh, Jody? Do you remember? Marvin's not working out. He's not working he's out. Not working he's out. not working out. He's not, he's not working out doing, on his pro day. He's right? not doing combine drills. He's not running at all. No, he said, he's just it's like a Seinfeld. It's like a Seinfeld episode. I choose not to run. Yeah. Um, and, and Randy's like, there's so many good receivers. I might think about the kid from Washington, um, uh, neighbors from LSU. You know, it could shift. Not not like he's going to drop Williams, Harrison. They're not going to drop Barr. Yeah. But they might drop a spot or two. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's funny. 
I was talking to Bill Polian the other day, and, and Polian was one of the most anti. He blamed everything on agents, and 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 used to always say these guys are going to fall, and they never did. Uh, and I asked him about it. You know what is his thoughts on it now? And you know he he said as long as you get them in a private workout, you're okay. So I mean that's what it's come down to. They can refuse to work out there. They can in Indy they can refuse to work out at their pro day as long as they agree to to work out for you and 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 whatever other teams are are possibly going to take him at uh, second or wherever Marvin's supposed to go, he's not going to drop. So we'll see. Damo, uh, I'm 99% sure I asked you about this last week, but I'm asking about it every week up until something happens. Uh, this week, a couple of uh, good reporters came out and said several teams have already met with Hassan Reddick because the Eagles gave him permission to go out and seek a trade. So either you're his agent. I've talked to several teams around the league. Uh, the reporting did not say anything is imminent, but just the fact that they're talking says something. And it certainly sends my antenna up that, oh, man, this could really happen. This son Reddick could get traded. I was hoping it was just a yeah. check the market, come back down to earth. The son was asking for an overly outrageous number and they get something done. Now I'm a little bit worried. The Eagles, can the Eagles really afford to trade Hassan Reddick? Well, first of all, I mean, the reports I saw said several teams are interested in him, which, I mean, you don't have to, I mean, you know, the kid, the kid that interviewed players at the Super Bowl could have said that. Uh, I mean, of course there's teams. Interested. He was good, by the way. Did you like that kid? I did. I did. He was very good. He's going to yeah. be doing, he's going to be doing your job in a little bit. Yes, sir. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, so, I mean, there's obviously this is one of the best pass rushers in the league. Everybody's interested in him. Yeah. Are they willing to pay him the kind of money he wants is the question. They may be calling his agent and, and asking what it's going to take. I mean, I, I you got to, I'm trying to figure out where the Eagles are right now, as far as, I mean, I don't think they believe next year is a Super Bowl year deep down. I think they're taking a step backwards in their in this process to take. All right, wait, 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 wait. Time out. That. I got to ask you about that. They don't believe they're really a Super Bowl team. Who's having that conversation, and well, what does it sound like? Jeffrey and Howie is Nick involved in that? That we're there, not really a Super Bowl team. There are some years you you know you know we can go for it this year. We're all in. Uh, you know, if, if we play up to our level and don't have injuries, we're going to be in the Super Bowl. And there have been years like that where they believe that. Uh, there are other years where it's last like, year. They yeah, believe. there are other years where we we can get in the hunt. You know, we can stay if we get to the playoffs. Anything can happen. That's probably going to be the way they look at this year, because I mean they have to completely rebuild that defense, Joe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't see how you can look at that defense right now, and and you're probably saying. Well, if that defense is so bad, why are they going to let Hassan Reddick walk out the door? I think because they're looking two and three years down the road here when, uh, you know, when they can't afford to pay Hassan what he wants in three years. Uh, when they can't afford to pay A.J. Brown what he's going to want in two or exactly. three years. There's, at, at, at some point, or even with the cap going up $30 million a year like it did, you know, you got to make some hard choices. Uh, I don't know that that's a hard choice I want to make because I'm not sure Josh Sweat's ever going to rise to the level they think he is or Nolan Smith. But as we saw at the, at the earlier in the combine this week, you know, you, you saw, you kind of saw how he chastised indirectly his coach for not playing Nolan Smith enough. Yeah. 
young players. Oh, and yeah. by the way, Nick, that was the one disconnect. Nick uh, talked after Howie, and Nick was like, oh, I'm playing the best players. Yeah, well, and, that's, that's a coach's – I mean, a yeah. coach playing for his job. Yeah. You know, Howie's playing for the next five years. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So there's always that disconnect between a coach and a, and a, and a GM that you try to minimize. Uh, but, you know, it's a hard decision for them. I mean, he's only, what, 29? Yes, yeah, going to be 30. I yeah. think Riddick's still got another, 30. another good country, you know, another rich contract in him before he starts to de- be on the descent. So, I I mean, I wouldn't let, let him walk, but especially considering how important the front four is to both Vic's defense and to their whole philosophy. So, I mean, I, I'm not so sure that it's going to happen. Uh, I think ultimately he'll be around for at least another year, but who knows? Uh, you know, I, I've been wrong before. Yeah. The it, last two times, the last few times the Eagles have done this, it's worked out for them. They yeah. did it with Slay last year and uh, Slay came back when uh, Drew Rosenhaus went out and looked and said, man, yeah, you know, yeah, it's kind of um, like, go find out what you're worth and then we'll talk. Yeah. So, and, and hope is because he's undersized and, some teams will say, uh, you know, we love you, but as Damo said, yeah, you're a great pass rusher, but 200, you don't hold up well in the run game and yada, yada, yada. And maybe if the number comes down from 25 million to say 21 million, all of a sudden the Eagles are like, yeah, we love you. Come back. It might yeah. work out still. And he's got, you know, with just one year left, I mean, there's a lot of flexibility to, to structure a short-term deal, whether that's, uh, that's the question. Is he interested in that? Uh, or is he looking for the big, his next contract to be a huge payday? Uh, we'll see. My, my guess is somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's doing a one-year restructure yeah. just to help out the Eagles, but I don't think he's getting five years tacked on either. Mm-hmm. Um, and you both mentioned the disconnect between Howie and Sirianni. When Sirianni said what he did, I was both excited by it And I was also like scratching my head about it. I was scratching my head in that I disagree with his stance. Didn't you learn? You you, you watch your boy JG have uh, N'Kobe Dean sit on a bench all year long when you're up by two touchdowns in the second half. And he comes into this year with, what, 18 snaps or something ridiculous like that, Johnny? had played for I think it was 47. 47. 47. Felt like 18. Over seven games. So three snaps a game. Good job there, uh, Coach. Uh, <laughs> so I disagreed with his overall point that he overstated it. But here's what I liked about it. Nick Sirianni's on the hot seat. Nobody's going to argue that. Coming into the season, he might be on the hottest seat of everybody in the National Football League. And you always get nervous when a coach is on a hot seat because – you think he's more worried about himself than he is about the football team. Right. Nick kind of said, now nah, I'm here to win football games. <laughs> That's good. That's what you want out of your coach. If he's coaching your team, you don't want him worried about, Ooh, what do I have to do to make sure I don't get fired? That's a guaranteed way to lose. So he took a kind of avant-garde. No, I'm here to win football games type attitude, which I liked. So I kind of liked it and hated it at the same time. I didn't know how to feel about it because no, you take you're going up the wrong hill. He's going to yeah. die on the wrong hill. But I like the fact that he's willing to die on hill for the yeah. Eagles. Yeah, I and mean, we'll see if he follows through on that. Yeah, but he is coaching for his job. Yeah, I mean, every, so I mean, yeah, it's best to win games, and you know he's probably going to lean on the best player who he thinks is the best player. 
We got to see. It's interesting. We got to. It is a tough. It's tougher than people think because, you know, if you go back to the year prior, TJ and and Kaiser were playing well. You're winning games. They're healthy. Why are you going to take them off the field? And then you're trying to serve two masters, but you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And Jody and I both think they should have gotten Nicobe Dean, maybe a uh, um, a series here or there, especially, you know, Kaiser White, you knew yeah. wasn't going to be long-term. Uh, they evidently knew TJ wasn't going to be long-term. So you can give them a, a series here or there. But I get why they didn't, too. And this year we got to see Sidney Brown due to injury. It wasn't great. You know, he's playing out of position. We mm-hmm. got to see Kaylee Ringo late because of injuries and things of that nature and ineffectiveness. It wasn't great. I saw some signs. Um, excited about him. Uh, but it is really tough to do. You know, if, if guys aren't ready, guys aren't ready. Yeah. So why are you putting them out there? Especially in a, I mean, you look at their their season last season. Uh, a lot of close games. I mean, yeah. a, lot, a lot of routes where you could uh, okay yeah. empty the bench. I got much less of a problem with it this year than the year before when they had games well in hand and still yeah. trotted out their starters. Who, as John correctly points out, neither of which were back here, and uh, both took their linebacking talents elsewhere. So. Yeah, and that's on Gannett. Shame on Gannett for that. I want to get your take on this. It was something we discussed early in the week. Um, three Eagle all-timers going to be in the Eagles Wall of Fame. I think at least one of them is going to be in the National Football League Hall of Fame um, and champions here in Philadelphia. Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Worst case scenario is, as Howie Roseman, uh, that's what we talked about on Tuesday because Howie mentioned it on Monday. He said, eh, we don't want to see them in another team's uniform. Give me the percentage chance on each of the three that they're playing in the National Football League next year for someone not named the Philadelphia Eagles. Kelsey, BG, Cox. Percentage chance of playing for somebody else. Kelsey's... I'd, I'd say 10%. I mean, I just don't think he's coming back. Uh, there, it doesn't make any, I mean, we, we've heard, you know, he's bared his soul on, on Netflix on, or Amazon uh, in that documentary and in interviews because he's so candid and honest as far as wanting another life after football. I mean, where he wants everything, you know, his knees to work and, and his brain to work. And so, you know, he, if this were, if this were a year where they were coming off the Super Bowl. And lost like if this were last year and he was had to make this year's decision, I'd say he might be back because he wants to win one more Super Bowl. That's not going to happen deep down. He knows it's not going to happen. Go out now and 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 you know spend time with your family. And I think that's what he's what's going to happen. The other two, I think, is 100. percent They're both back. I don't know where. I, I think you know it sounds like how he's left the door open to both of them. If uh, you know if they want to come back at a reasonable uh, you know senior rate. Yeah. So and, and and I've come along around to the thinking that, you know, if, it, if it's not costing you a lot of cap room, bring them back. I mean, they're, they're great le- from a leadership standpoint. Fletcher's still got a lot left in him, surprisingly. You know, I don't know that Brandon does, but Brandon gives you that leadership. So I think both of them will be in this league next year. And I think I, so, uh, you gave me a great answer. 
you didn't come close to answering my question. Maybe I asked it poorly. I'll try again. That they are somewhere else other than Philadelphia. Somewhere they're else. playing in the league, but they're not playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Give me a percentage chance. Kelsey, Cox, Graham. Zero percent on Jason and uh, Brandon, because I think Brandon either plays here or nowhere. Fletcher, somebody else gives him, is you know, thinks he's got a lot left and is willing to give him a pretty good paycheck. I'd say 50%. 50. Ooh, that's yeah. I, I, I'm with you. Complete zeros for Kelsey and BG. Complete zeros. With, with Fletch, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards Eagles or retirement. I think that's kind of the way how he phrased it. But he's more difficult than Brandon. Brandon's easy to me. That that might be easy as uh, how he's easiest job. He wants to play 15 years. He wants to finish with the Eagles. He'll play for five million. He, I think, he was still darn effective in you know limited reps, 20 reps. Still an effective player. Um, yeah. Why not? That's easy. Fletcher, though, he can command. He commands. You know, ten million again, yeah. ten million plus coming off last season. That's and more he, difficult. He would not be a, a adverse to uh, adverse to. Uh, you know, I can see Fletcher sitting out training. If the Eagles didn't want to bring him back, didn't want to sign him at any price. Yeah, he might go and and have somebody yeah. call him, and he'd be happy to yeah. show up on their doorstep. Yeah, he might go the mercenary market. In yeah. that limit. I'll just wait. I'm not going to training camp. Yeah, he might go that direction. That's a good point, Damo. Um, yeah, uh, but with Fletcher, um, the other part is you've been just piling up defensive tackles. At some point, Milton's got to play more. Jordan's got to play more. Jalen's got to play more. I mean – these are tough decisions, but, and how we kind of, it's very rare when Howie gives you anything at the combine, he said essentially about defensive tackle. Well, yeah, that's a position we're probably not looking at. I mean, let's be honest because they have so many of them, not even talking about Marlon Tui Pelotu's a, they think he's a solid player. Um, they're loaded at defensive tackle. So do you really want to, pay somebody Fletcher's age to take away snaps from the young guys. You want to build the foundation because as you mentioned, Damo, it's about two, three years as well down the road. If Carter and Davis don't play this year at a pro bowl level, they've got real problems. I mean, you yeah. don't guys draft them that high guys that are supposed to be dominant difference making players. And, and if, you know, if Jordan Davis, if they both play like they did the second half of last year, uh, there are going to be a lot of eyes on Howie. I think Bick's got to build the whole foundation of, of, of his defense on those two guys. Yeah. I, I, that The whole thing. I that That's where I think he's got to build the defense on. And, and we'll see if it's successful, but they got to play. Yeah. I mean – there's no other way to get around it. So that to me is why it's such a difficult decision for the Eagles and Howie Roseman. And I think Fletcher sees that Fletcher was honest. He said, they got a lot of young defensive tackles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think Fletcher, we're all on the same page as far as the zero, zero Graham and Kelsey thing. I'm over 50%. I'm not sure, but I think it is realistic and go somewhere. I've had some people tell me, if Fletcher's either retiring or he's going to be an Eagle. I don't know that. 
Yeah. There, there might be a team out there, as both you guys just talked about. The Eagles aren't forced to bring Fletcher. They, it, it's not a desperate, dire need to bring Fletcher back because they've got three good young, including the Williams uh, tackles inside. So it's more of a leadership thing and a continuity thing than it is desperate to make sure his production stays in place. I, I don't think it's a lock that Fletcher's going to be back there and if he ends up playing elsewhere, I'm going to hold Howie to that. Because he said it. He goes, the one thing we can't have is them in someone else's uniform. He kind of gave Fletcher leverage with that statement the other day at the combine, which I didn't quite figure. Well, so he'd have to take down the fathead in his office. I don't know if it's still there. Yeah, That that too. Um, Fatheads are tough to get off and keep in. Now, here's a question for both uh, Paul and, and John. Um, John, you might have a better grasp because you're there day in and day out now, but you know how it works for covering the team forever. I got a great Twitter question last night from uh, – That's an oxymoron. It really was. It was like, holy mackerel, I didn't even think about this. This is a good question. If Nolan Smith had had an off-season procedure on his shoulder – as minimal or as massive as it had been, would we know about it? Are the Eagles obligated to give out information on injury stuff during the offseason? They're obligated in season. You got to tell people what's happening with players, what the game's actually going on. But if he had some kind of procedure, a.k.a. surgery, after the season, would we not know? We eventually would because, I mean, Rappaport and Schefter get everything uh, from Howie. Uh, like most, uh, I mean, that that's the, I mean, that's basically how it's working now in the NFL. And so it would come out at some point. There aren't very many surgeries that they don't report or find out about or aren't to are told about. So at some point we would find out. Yeah, they, they, but. To answer Jody's question, the Eagles are not uh, forced to no. give injury updates in the offseason. Uh, generally, the players, too, when we get to finally get to talk to Nolan, because the shoulder was an issue, yeah. they'll get asked that question. Um, but that'll be April. So Yeah, yeah, that'll or be March, March, I guess, is when they start making them available. Now, Howie says he talks to nobody, nobody yeah. about the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Um, usually it's agents. But yeah, you know, I, I think there's a whole thing. Your buddy Mike Sielski came up with the term information broker, which is what the NFL has set up with the right. Rappaports and chapters of the world. Um, yeah, I always think when NFL media came in existence, they're like, yeah, give it to these guys. But I yeah. can't prove that. <laughs> no, uh, um, the NFL Network is owned by the NFL. So if, yes, exactly. I've always, I've always felt when Ian ever broke something, they should just put the NFL reported. You know? Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, let Let me posit a theory here, and realize I'm planting my my tongue somewhat in my cheek. Um, Fletcher Cox signs with the New York Giants this offseason and then decides on the down low that he will give the game plan of the New York Giants to the Philadelphia Eagles because it is now standard operating procedure as per McCall Hardman and the New York Jets this year. If you're not happy with the, you, you choose the team, you're not happy, you realize you made a mistake. Oh, let me see if I can sneak some info back to my old team and meanwhile be saying to them, hey, get me back 
Come on, do a deal before the trade deadline. I'm sorry, I was wrong. I should have never left. Is there a chance Fletcher assists the Eagles winning games this year without ever putting their uniform on? He's a defensive lineman. Nobody on the field knows less about game plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a shot on goal. Well, I love it. Uh, uh, maybe Miko Hardman because none of it worked. Uh, the Eagles <laughs> lost the game. So, um, yeah. I, I joked, I always, I loved it because it's just another example of how overrated uh, play calling game planning is versus actual execution. So I know everybody rolls their eyes when coaches say we didn't execute. Well, we didn't do, but it really is. I mean, thing. yeah, yeah it, it really is. Yeah. Guys, I, you know, Christian McCaffrey, that was a big thing when he went on the Manning cast demo and I, I have no idea. And he was calling out Eagles plays and all Eagles fans were not all, but I, I should, I get in trouble when I say all, but a bunch <laughs> were like, well, see, they're so simple. They, they even, even Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's like the smartest guy in the world. He could pick out everybody's plays. Yeah. I, I Luke Keekley on the field, the NFL films, you probably saw it over the years. You do every stinking play, yeah. every stinking play. Doesn't I'm matter gonna, if he executed. I'm going to go back to uh, to Sam Mills. Uh, yeah, Sam. Bunch he, of them. he taught people on his defense what to look for to know run pass. Yeah, which way it's going. You know what gap. I mean, it's if you're you know the smart guys know what's happening. Yes, exactly. It 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 really is. Uh, by the way, did you guys see Slay and Stephen Nelson? Uh, that another thing I would mm-hmm. uh, pod podcast uh talking about eagles fans that went over well steve nelson by the way he's been really solid for houston over the past two he he said on the podcast now he's partially joking but he said i had to get out of here for my mental health that 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 that, you know and i saw a couple i'm not going to throw them under the bus but um someone mentioned oh the eagles should bring back nelson aguilar Nelson Aguilar would rather set himself on fire than be back in Philadelphia. <clears throat> I think people don't realize we, we bring up Rasul Douglas a lot. Rasul doesn't want back in Philadelphia. Now, it, if he has no other options, yeah, maybe at that point, maybe anybody will come back. But if they have other options, they don't want part. Is this becoming a problem uh, that people think it's so difficult to play here at times? Certain players. You know, judging from, I don't think so. I mean, it's not broad enough to, or, or prevalent enough with the really good players to become a problem. But you know, I, I mean, well, I look. If you're at, good, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I look at stuff like that, and I'm just like, I mean, I, I, I feel very little sympathy for the Stephen Nelsons of the world. He didn't play very good when he was here. Uh, you know, he, he's turned it around there. So has Derek Barnett, who's who played great in Houston. I don't know why, you know, he had the opportunity to play well here and didn't. Uh, But, you know, if you can't take criticism, the hell with you. I mean, I don't know. Nelson, I would get. Aguilar, I'd get. The two names you threw out, John, because, yeah, he heard it a lot. He kind of deserved it. I didn't think it was over-the-top criticism or booing for him. But uh, I'll at least acknowledge, yeah, he heard a lot of it. When was Russell Butler booed off the field? Russell, 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 Russell Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. That, that I don't get. He, he, he became, I always say, Russell 
I I probably told Damo one the first day I met Rasul Douglas, he was the most engaging. He was just such a nice kid. He was so positive. He was polite. And by the time he left, he was so surly. I've yeah. never seen a complete 180. He was just miserable. Yeah, a lot um, of him. I mean, he he got when he when he had a little tasted a little bit of success, he suddenly yeah. full of himself. And, uh, I mean, got arrogant and I mean, he would get in, you know, I mean, I had a few confrontations with him in the locker room. Yeah. I wasn't even talking to him. I was talking to, I was interviewing another player. (laughs) He would, he would, he would, he would, he would give crappy information to some report. And they're like, I'm like, oh, come on, Russell. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Or I'm doing that to a, yeah. a young reporter. He I think it was EJ. I think yeah, it was EJ. bad information. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then later was you know, you don't want yeah. to get in EJ's face, but uh, yeah, uh, that that surprised me. That I would suggest that Rasul needs to toughen up the skin a little bit because well, they've yeah, been they've I, been I, guys, and I've gotten in arguments about this on the radio. Ran him out of town. That's a phrase that is used. And it is overused. Media. It's it's the media and the fan ran a guy out of town. I think it's inaccurate. Yes. 29 out of 30 times. One out of 30. Yeah, you might have a you might have a uh, a leg to stand on. Nelson but might it, be the one out of 30. Okay. Yeah, because Nelson, yeah. But he didn't play well though. He did I not. mean he played well in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But yeah, I mean he, he he became a better player after he left. Yeah. And that, uh, and that, when he was here, he was afraid, you know, he would, you know, he'd be playing so off uh, receivers that it was scary. I mean, he'd be 20 yards downfield, for God's sakes. Uh, you know, I mean, he just, he became, you know, for whatever reason, he improved when he left. Uh, and that happens with a lot of players, you know, the, the, the spotlights off them and they're not necessarily, there wasn't a, a big spotlight on Rasul, but uh, the criticism's different in other towns. I mean, clearly Philadelphia is a little harder to play in than other towns because, I mean, we're more critical. Not and when yeah. I say we, I mean both fans, the talk shows, the the media. Yeah, you, know, you got to you got to toughen up. Yeah. You go to Kansas City, you, yeah, you go to Kansas you City and screw up. They're not going to criticize you for a long time. It's yeah. a tough town, and I would feel zero. I mean, zero for Darius Slay. They offered you to get out of town last year. They gave you the chance. Oh, Slate, uh, hey, used Slate. it as a negotiating ploy. But if you wanted to get out, you get out. If it's so hard and so bad to play in Philadelphia, and they give you an exit, take it. 
You yeah. can't now, then come back and go, Clay, oh, my God, it's so hard to play in Philadelphia. You decided to come back. Shut Clay, up. Slay did not say he wanted to leave Philadelphia. Slay is not in the category of Steve. Steve Nelson said I had to get out for mental health issues. All Slay said, Slay's very honest. Slay said, yeah, they're they're tough. They're, yeah. You don't see it in other towns. But he said he loves Philadelphia. He doesn't want to leave. Okay. Um, but he's also yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I always tell the Andy Reid story. I always used to ask Andy when he would take so much abuse from the fans, from the talk shows, you know, why do you want to coach here? You can coach anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. He'd say, and he'd look at me and, and like I was just, was a, an alien. He'd say, the passion. You know, yeah. I love, you know, they care. And that's, you know, <clears throat> every player that comes to this town in any sport, they should be given the quotes from Mike Schmidt and either deal with it or not deal with it. You know, yeah. the whole the whole agony of uh, the yeah. agony of reading about it the next day. If anybody reads now, uh, you can't yeah. deal with that. Leave. Tell us yeah. now. Still the, read the thrill of victory and the agony of reading about it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, people still do read, but they also watch YouTube, and we're thankful for that. We are thankful whenever Paul Damo chops in with us. Damo, thanks, buddy. Love the shirt Thanks, today. Take thanks care. Damo. Can't wait for next week. At P Damo on X Twitter. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw that, but it was interesting, uh, Steve. Uh, Steve, Nelson, I didn't know. You know. I he was going off what you told me, and I thought you said that they were uh, together, bad-mouthing Philadelphia. Well, no, Slay was on. It was a podcast, and somebody else was there. So I don't know who the third person was, but it was Steve Nelson, Darius Slay. There was a third person. I'm not sure who it was. Um, and Slay was saying, uh, you know, he, it, what he always says. He says, you know, they boo, they boo us if we're losing at halftime. Shocking. Uh, no, no, no. It was was Darity taken aback by the fact that they're booing when well, no, he was just pointing out that you get a longer rope in most other cities, essentially, is what he was saying. And then, which is true, completely true. Uh, he mentioned the chant of run the ball. They're trying to tell the offensive coordinator what to do, even if they lose yardage. Um so Slay's very truthful, but he also said he loves Philly, similar to what Dama loves the passion, doesn't want to go anywhere. Now, Nelson flat out said, and he, and he chuckled when he said it, but he said, yeah, I had to get out of there for my mental health. And and there are certain guys, and that's why I bring up, because um, Nelson Bagalor re-signed with uh, Baltimore very early in the process, and I, I saw one person who shall remain nameless saying the Eagles should bring back Nelson Aguilar. And I'm like, you know, I mean, there are certain guys that do not want to come back here and Nelson would be at the top of the list. Um, now he was treated very unfairly. Um, you know, if you think about the, the famous viral clip about the babies being thrown out right. and I, you know, I, I mean, he was treated very, very unfairly. Um, there are different levels, and I bring up Rasul because Rasul, the the change from Rasul when he first got here to when he left, um, was striking um, from a personality standpoint. Um, yeah, there are some guys like Jason Kelsey. You know, everyone says you should. You know, he's the mayor of Philadelphia, right? He's he's also a Hall of Fame player. He's also produced at the highest level on the field. So one thing where I agree with players, there's this mentality that, 
oh, if you just work hard, Philadelphia fans are going to love you. That's not true. That part's not true. If you just work hard and you're really good, they're going to love you. Now, I always use Dave Bell, David Bell. You're a you're a you're a baseball guy, so you'll get that reference because he was a hustler. He was a guy who would run everything out. Um, you know, from a baseball standpoint, you could see how he would break his you know what on the field. wasn't very good. Fans crapped on him. Um, to use it a better, probably a better for this show would be Nate Gary. I use him all the time. That guy just worked his ass off, but he wasn't very good. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, John, um, and you enlightened me to this uh, well after the fact that Gary was playing with a broken leg. No, uh, uh, sports hernia. Sports, sports hernia, hernia, excuse me. Yeah. He was severely hurt and played yeah. through it. Played and the, the entire coaches, season. Coaches loved him. Coaches loved eventually him. told you about it, but loved him because of his courage. Whatever. That story was not widely known. No. So I don't think he's an example of Philadelphia should have loved him because he played so hard. No, I'm not saying they should have loved him. Nobody knew. Because... I didn't know. The yeah, first I... time you told me that, I said, what? But, Nate Gary but, but, played hurt all year long? Yeah, but you're right. That story wasn't, uh, although I reported, others reported at the time, but when we did While he was out, playing with it. Well, or after the we, fact. No, it was after the fact. That's when what I found mean. Out, when we found out. But no, I'm I'm talking about the demonstrable nature of how he played and how he hustled and how he, he, he wasn't very good. I'm not. I'm not trying to overstate. He wasn't very good. He's not a good NFL player. Um, coaching staff loved him. People said, "How is the coaching staff?" Now that I would say all the time because long before they told me about the injury, they they would speak very highly of him, and and people would lose their minds and blame it on me. And I'm I'm just telling you what the coaches say. Um, and they loved the guy. And and part of it was because of how hard he worked and all that stuff. So I only bring up the point because that that whole trope of if you just play hard, Philadelphia fans will no. If you just play hard and you're really good, yeah, yeah, and they're here, gonna love here's you. where here's where you and I will split roads. I don't think you have to be really good. You have to have a modicum of talent. You can't be bad and just play hard like Nate Gary. He's bad. It's really uh, good for him to be chasing down a guy five yards from behind that he couldn't stay with to begin with because he wasn't that good a player. He's playing hurt, whatever reason. But, oh, man, he really tried to catch him from behind, a guy who just blew him away. Of course that's not going to work. Nobody's going to go, nice effort there, giving up that 75-yard touchdown. But you ran all the way to the end zone. Good job, Nate Gary. No, you have to have a level of confidence. Well, if you have I, a I, level of confidence and you play like your hair's on fire, yes, I think they'll love you in Philadelphia. You don't have to be Jason Kelsey, Hall of Fame level, to be beloved and play. Well, you're probably right. Up. You got to be at least a competent player. That's probably a, a, a better word to use. You got you got to reach a certain level. Um, but when it is, yeah, under uh, the only thing I'm trying to point out, and this is completely fair. I'm sorry to every fan out there. If you're if you're gonna shit on people, they're not gonna like it, and, and whether they deserve it or not. So, you know, 
they're not going to like it. So you could say it's unfair, but they're not going to have a good reflection of the city and the city's fans if you shit on people. Doesn't matter if they're good, bad, or indifferent. That's just human nature. People don't treat you well. You don't like them. So um, when some of these stories uh, come out, it's not a surprise to me. And I'm not sure why it's a surprise to some people. And again, if you're expecting Nelson Aguilar to say, oh, he's improved, we could use a third receiver and come out. He's not coming back here unless he needs the money and has no other options. Which from time to time, that does happen. The guy's forced to come back. But if you do, when you do, when you sign, know full well what you're getting yourself into. That's my only point. Guys will come back and then go, I can't believe they're still as harsh as they were. For What do you think? It was going to change. You took the money. You came back. Deal with it, big guy. Uh, Birds fans, have we got an offer for you? Here is your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of the managing partners, either Jim or Fran, and tell them you are a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one, and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports, and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA. And the NBA playoffs are almost here, and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Magamatic guys here on Birds 365. Uh, Going to do something a little different coming up in the next seven, eight minutes. Um, Greg Cody, hope you remember the name. He was on with us this year before the Dolphins-Eagles game. Longtime columnist, football guy for the Miami Herald, hosts his own YouTube show, The Greg Cody Show. Uh, good dude, and very insightful guy. Uh, scheduled to join us coming up in the next uh, seven or eight minutes. And I wanted to bring him on because I still don't think I know all the information about how the hell Vic Fangio became the defense coordinator for the Eagles. He was here. He was in the building. It looked like if Jonathan Gannon left, he'd be the guy who would just move right in. Oh, but then Gannon wasn't getting a job till after the Super Bowl ended. And by then, the Miami Dolphins had come knocking and told Vic Fangio, we'll make you the highest paid coordinator in all of football. And he said, okay, fine. I guess I'm going to South Beach. And he took the money and he ran down there and had a mixed bag of results year. And then before the season's over, boom, uh, well, I'm going back to Philadelphia. I'm going to become the Eagles defense coordinator. They didn't have to trade to get him. He was under contract. And the Dolphins just said, yeah, if you want to go, go ahead. See you later. Bye. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that doesn't. I think you answered your own question um, in some ways. uh, Right. But but you acknowledge, John, it doesn't happen this way in the National No. Well, that's. Yeah, I mean, typically. So that's why I want Greg Cody on is to explain some of the stuff that just doesn't happen. The way that it happened doesn't happen in the National Football League. A mutual, a mutual parting of the ways. That um, is very infrequent. Very yeah. infrequent. So Especially get- because, you know, the Dolphins certainly didn't have a bad defense. That's what um, I mean. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. And they had a lot but of injuries. Yeah, better. It would certainly improve. Uh, Vic improved it, no question about that. Uh, they dealt with a ton of injuries late going into the playoffs. It just it was uh, unbelievable, and they still were representative uh, for uh, you know long portions. So, yeah, it is um, strange. Other than you know, and we'll we'll hear what Greg has to say about it because I'm interested uh, from. The Miami perspective, because I think it differs, even going all the way back to the Gannon stuff. I I was talking to a couple people who covered the Dolphins at the time, and I'm like, because there's all this nonsense and and the talk about how the timing and it. Oh, if 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 the tampering didn't happen, Vic would have been here. No, the timing just didn't work out. So I asked a bunch of people who covered the Dolphins, and I said, was there any indication that Vic Banjo was going to back out uh, after uh, Gannon was clear and got the Arizona job? And they said, no, none, zero, not even talk. And you would think um, the Dolphins would have had a contingency in place and started <clears throat> calling around, thinking about DCs and all that kind of stuff. but. And and we'll uh, you know should we pop up Greg now Xander? If yeah. or, or are we going to go to break? Well, it looks like we're popping up Greg right now. Uh, you can read him in the Miami Herald. You can catch his own show, the Greg Cody Show, on YouTube. He's joining us today on YouTube here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Greg Cody, 
Mr. Cody? The Dan Lebertard show regular. I want to throw that in, too, because Dan Lebertard does a trend. Where, where do you put that on your list of resume topics, first or last? Because depending on how you look at it, you uh, we way. got no audio with Greg. Greg, we got no audio if you can hear us. Let's see if you're muted. I don't know. No, we're not hearing Greg. All right, Xander, pop him back down. We'll see if we can figure out the audio issue. But yeah, and I hope we can because, yeah, I'm very interested. This is an interesting topic on how big Vic Banjo arrived in Philadelphia. And I think there's this presumption that um, the Eagles did the way the things the Eagles did. And, and it doesn't take into account the other end of it and the Miami end. And from my perspective, um, Miami sure didn't seem to be fighting to keep them. Right. So um, there was the entrance of uh, Vic Fangio and then the departure of Vic Fangio. And I got questions on both ends. I got no problem with the way the Dolphins spirited him out of Philadelphia here. He wasn't offered a job. He knew he was getting a job. So they offered him a big payday and they got him to go down there. And he said yes. And again, I'll give Vic Fangio a tip of the hat because, yeah, shortly thereafter, Gannon gets a job with Arizona. So I don't know. I'm not and he sure. could have Josh McDaniels them. I he think that have. was the whole the whole thing. And it's like, you know, yeah. to Vic's credit, he was too much of a That's, professional. Yeah. John, yeah. You continue stealing what I want to say, John. Oh, Thank sorry. you very much. Um, yeah, that's why I tip my cap to him is some people would say, oh, you should just walk away. No, Josh McDaniels is a dick. Yeah. So Vic Fangio's exactly. not a dick. He didn't leave him sitting at the altar and say, oh, wait, I really want to be back in Philadelphia. No, he, he committed to the Dolphins and he stayed with the Dolphins for one year and then he got out of Dodge. All right, we're going to give Greg another shot here. Hopefully, we've got the um, audio uh, worked out. Mr. Cody, how are you? Well, we still don't. We still have an audio issues. Uh, not sure what the problem is. We're not hearing you, Greg, if you're hearing us. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick time out. Xander, why don't you uh, see if we can get Greg's audio up and running? we got to be able to hear him. He's a fine-looking gentleman, but we do want to hear what he has to say. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here on Birds 365, and hopefully when we come back, Greg Cody from the Miami Herald talk a little Vic Fangio here with us on Birds 365. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life we believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one. 
and we will be heard. Hondly Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA and the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, you got Mac and Mac. We are still efforting Greg Cody, who we got up uh, on video, but couldn't for whatever reason. Damn it. Greg's got his own podcast. He's got to know these audio issues. Okay. Well, hopefully that's the case. We get him up and the audio is good to go. Uh, uh, He's on many different outlets. He might be crossing his wires here a little bit. Uh, This is not the uh, Dan Levitard show. This is Birds 365. Uh, But we can play Dan Levitard if he wants us uh, to be uh, flippant and wise guys. We'll give that a shot. Uh, are you hearing us, Mr. Cody? Let's see if we can hear you. Uh, it's, it's just not our day, man. We can't. Uh, we still have no audio with Greg. That's uh, damn. Don't, don't know what the issue is there or the problem. And he's is not there. muted, so it's not a muting issue. Um, How can you tell that? Well, the little microphone. Like if I mute myself. It shows up. Uh, there's okay. a big X through it. There's really? no X through Greg's. Uh, uh, yeah, you got a mic. I got a mic. Greg's got a mic. Yeah, I don't know what the issue is, but we'll we'll continue to try and get him. Uh, but you know, it has been funny, John. I don't know, as we went to break, and and Xander is uh, giving his best effort to get him up and running. Of course, we've got people commenting here on the the stream. Already got a couple of fire Fangio salvos being shot into the. Oh, really? Has, oh, yeah. Guy has been here a day, and we've already got Fire Fangio as a uh, potential headline. Why would you want to fire Fangio so far? Why? I can Why? tell you. You want me to tell you? The scheme? They hate the scheme. Yeah. They, they're John McMullen. Well, that's probably, that, I'm, I'm listening probably. to you, JM, going, why the hell? Just because he's the creator of it, if the scheme don't work. Why the hell would we want to continue using? Yeah, that? well, you know, yeah, I'm probably partial. Uh, yeah, I don't like the scheme, Partially but just because yes. just because I don't like the scheme doesn't mean you know. There's a bunch of NFL coaches who love the scheme, and they know more than me. Uh, just because I hate the scheme, I wouldn't say fire Vic Fangio. I don't enjoy the scheme. That's all. 
doesn't mean it can't work. Here. If you have good players, it can work. Um, you know, if you have bad players, it's probably going to look pretty ugly at times. You're going to have miscommunication issues in the secondary because I think it's too complicated. Um, so there's a bunch of things, but that doesn't mean I say fire Big Banjo before he coaches one game. That's kind of silly. No. You know, I also hated the scheme when Jonathan Gannon. Now everyone says I love JG. I do love JG personally. Um, but I, I said, how many times did I say when he was here, Jody, I didn't like the scheme. I oh, don't I like the scheme. Um, he did a great job with it though. Second rank defense. Uh, the results were the results. And yeah. people, I don't think gave him enough credit for the results. You and I both uh, were on that exact same page, but, um, if you don't like the scheme, you don't like the scheme and more power to you. You didn't change. You didn't flop just because Gannon was having uh, as much success as he did. He, it was successful while he was here, but then it wasn't. The design came in, so maybe it was just, and oh my God, will we take off some Eagle fans here? Maybe Gannon was just that good. Mm. Nobody wants nobody want to say that. I shouldn't say nobody. You're right, John. A lot of people here in Philadelphia don't want to acknowledge that Jonathan Gannon did anything good while he was here. Yeah, it's bizarre. Maybe he was just that I mean, good a coordinator. Yeah, well, he was good. Um, you know, there are very few defenses in Eagles history that were ranked second in the NFL, even if you go back to the glory days. Uh, you have to go back to Bud Carson to find a defense that finished better. Um, Buddy never did, uh, Jim Johnson never did. Um, and that kind of rubs people the wrong way. Um, so you know. Do you want success or do you want philosophy? I'd rather have success, even though I didn't like the philosophy. And 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 JG is a good coach, but you know, it's got more to do with personnel. And I always I never waver on that either. And the Eagles had tremendous personnel and they had a bunch of guys having big seasons. But he deserves credit for that because if you go through and I don't want to re-legislate this, but if you go through that defense and see how many how many players on that defense had career years, well, you got to give some credit to the coaching staff. If you hate them that much and you want to give credit to Denard Wilson with the secondary players, uh, or you want to give credit to Nick Rollis for the linebackers, have at it. But a bunch of players had career years, and that speaks highly of the coaching staff. It should, and that was just a very good group of players. And as you mentioned, the talent level is is all important, and we saw a big drop-off in talent level at a couple different positions. So again, uh, we got to bring Howie back into the conversation. He made the call that they were going to move on from the two linebackers they had. I think if they were willing to pay what those guys got in the open market and were relitigating the – did Edwards just uh, go to Chicago today at first had a chance because he lived to be a Chicago Bear player one day? I don't know that. The only time I ever heard that, I've heard it being speculated. I heard Edwards say it on a Chicago radio station the day after he signed. So was I surprised to hear him say, I grew up a Bears fan. I always wanted to be a Bear player. No, time, place, situation kind of dictated it. He's on a Chicago radio station the day after he signed. Of course, he's going to say, I always wanted to be a bear. I would have liked to hear him say that before he actually put in. 
Yeah, and I knew, I said, I knew from talking to TJ over the years, I knew he grew up in the Chicago area. I knew he was a Bears fan when he was growing up. So I knew all that. And I said, I said pretty consistently, maybe he just wanted to go home. I said, maybe he just wanted to go home. But later it came out that the Eagles never even made him an offer. So we don't know. He never had a decision. Um, It's possible. um, But... I don't have a problem, as you said, though, Jody, with both linebackers. I don't have a problem with moving on from one of them. I would have brought one back, and even if it was Kaiser, if if, if TJ was too expensive, then I would have shifted gears and went went to Kaiser White and tried to keep him. And then because she had N'Kobe Dean waiting in the wings, and – I have no problem with that philosophy, but we got to get him involved. But yeah, I think they should have brought one of them back. And I think they should have brought TJ back. And I think if they brought TJ back, even at that number, they would have been fine and he would have played well. And I think things would have been different. It wouldn't have been, I'm not trying to say they would have been great, but the the communication would have been better. He would have handled things. He would have been the green dot. You know, he's a very, um, a durable player, uh, very smart player, would have got people lined up correctly, um, still would have had some issues because the secondary, but it would have been better. It would have been Let better. me ask you a question, because you and I are both on record as big D.J. Edwards fans. I was not last year, the year before, about two or three games, three or four games into the season, I suggested – this is your prototypic Eagle contract extension guy. This is where Howie does some of his best work before a guy ever gets to his end of his contract year, get an extension done, which they did like three weeks later. I don't know if Howie was listening to Birds 365 or what, but I, I absolutely suggest before they got it done. Now, all they did was pick up the last year of his option, but they, they did pick it up. Um, they could have gotten an, a true extension to go years down the road done. They didn't. Um, I would, That's what I was kind of hoping for. But they did get at least the next year locked and in place. Uh, and you talked up T.J. Edwards all along that hey, all the guy does is make plays. He might not be the fastest. He might not be a combine warrior. He didn't get drafted. But since he got to Philadelphia as an undrafted free agent, all he did was improve, 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 and became a well above average starting linebacker in the league. So you and I were both T.J. Edward fans. Subscribe to the theory that he desperately wanted to be a Chicago Bear and that the Eagles really had no chance and that they may have had conversations with him and he was just like, yeah, I'm not signing anything until I become a free agent see what the Bears say to me. Could they have kept Kaiser White, and would it have made a difference? Um, they could have certainly. I mean, they didn't want to go to two. Should years they? On, maybe uh, I maybe I yeah. used the word. Should they have kept Kaiser White? I think how big a difference have. would it have made? I think they should have. It wouldn't have made a bigger difference than not as um, big as Edwards. Not right. as big as Edwards, but I think it would have helped to have that calming influence. Um, and that's probably the way they would have wanted to go. To be honest, because. Um, they wanted N'Kobe to be the middle linebacker, and that was TJ's role. And and Kaiser, so you would have had N'Kobe as the middle linebacker, and Kaiser as the the weak side linebacker. Um, and that probably would have bit a little bit better. 
uh, just to have that uh, continuity coming back. But, you know, as Howie will point out, um, uh, Zach Cunningham played pretty well. I think Howie thinks he played better than I did. You and I both. But, you know, um, I think it would have helped, but not to the degree of Edwards. It, 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 you know, Edwards is an example. Like, y- you and I talk all the time about pedigree, and we've talked about it. And, you know, at some point, you got to move past it. And I, you know, development is something I think people don't give enough credence to. And by that, I mean, um, I wish TJ's another example of, I wish I was talking about Rasul Douglas. I wish people could have seen the more, the change. Well, I wish they could have seen the change in TJ Edwards from a different perspective, from the guy who showed up to the guy who left completely remade his body completely uh remade his body um and worked tirelessly to make himself a better player and i always say if i were the eagles i would have took pride and i uncovered this undrafted kid who ran a 487 um couldn't run and i said that's probably the only 487 tj edwards ever ran but you have this narrative that he can't cover he can't cover he was and I just pulled it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fifteenth best coverage linebacker in the NFL last year. Last year with the last Bears. Last year with the Bears. Fifteenth best. Yet you have this narrative he can't cover. I I I got to cover. Because he ran a four eight uh, yes. five eight seven. Yes. Now, if you run that slow, you can't possibly cover anybody. How about you actually check some film and see if he can actually yeah. make a play during well, the game? Wouldn't you then, base your decision on whether he can cover or not more by whether he could actually cover in a game or by a stopwatch on combat? Well, and think about and think about how the Eagles play defense. They're a heavy zone defense. So you want a zone coverage linebacker. Can he run with Jamir Gibbs? No, nobody can. There's not a line. Fred Warner can't. Pick your poison. Nobody can run. With with Jay Mirgit. Nobody can cover Christian McCaffrey. Nobody. Are you savvy enough to play zone at linebacker and play cover two and cover four and get deep in the scene and cover and do your job? One of the best coverage linebackers, I say it all the time, I've ever uh had the opportunity to cover was Jack Del Rio when he was a player. Couldn't run a lick, Jody. But he was so smart. He was always in the right spot. He always dropped. He always made it difficult for the quarterback. Turned into a Pro Bowl linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I I would have taken pride in the guy. And I'm I'm you know I I don't know. It, it, people can't get over this pedigree thing. Oh, he's undrafted. He can't run. He oh, can't you mean, cover. You mean like Brock Purdy? Uh, well, yeah. Here's here's TJ Edwards since he's got time. Uh 2020 was the first year he uh he got sig- significant playing time. 19th out of 83 linebackers in the NFL per PFF. 2021, 10th out of 86. 2022, 6th out of 81. His last year in Philadelphia. Let me repeat that. Sixth out of 81. And last season with a bad football team. 11th out of 82. 
What that's worse thinking years. What more do you need to know? That's and, four and that years. That tell you how good a player T.J. Edward is. I don't know what does. But that that's a pretty big sample size. That's oh, yeah. not just what. Uh, 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 but he didn't get drafted. He can't run. Blah blah. Yeah, and that's where judging this year's Eagles defense against last year's Eagles defense. I got to meet you on the side camp. Uh, you're down at camp every single day. I went to camp one day because WIP needed me to do the morning show with Joe DeCamera for John Ritchie. So we got you on the side to come on the air with us. And I was impressed by the guy. He was a straight shooter. He was, the camera got his nose out of shape because he didn't give us in-depth answers. Who does? Who's who's tipping the opening up the playbook for you to look at before the season side? Just doesn't happen. The camera had these outrageous things. He's going to be able to pick his brain and know exactly what the Eagles are going to do all year on defense. I I thought the guy was pretty good, actually. I thought he was a straight shooter. I thought he was candid. I was kind of rooting for him. I didn't know Sean Desai from a hole in the wall. I know what his career resume said. Um, One year filling in as the D.C. for the Bears after Fangio left and then going to Seattle, working under uh, Pete Carroll, and then coming here. I was rooting for the guy. I liked the guy. I thought he was a good dude. I didn't know what what kind of job he was going to do, but I was ready to give him the benefit of the doubt. He did not do well, and he got the worst bums treatment that anybody's gotten here in Philadelphia in I don't know how long. Sirianni boots him out if it was Sirianni, and I do believe it was more Sirianni than anything else. I'm still not. Uh, that that might be one I'm going to take to my grave. Who really made the decision? I, 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 th- I said from early on, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, and it's not like Nick hasn't lied to me and we've talked about that, but he's a pretty stinking good liar. I'll tell you that. If he, I firmly believe him that it was his decision. And I also say that's a fireable offense. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, from every, and, and I've talked to more people about it than Nick as well. From everything I get, it was his decision. Everything. All right, here's here's a great opinion question for you, John. Um, from uh, Desai into Matt Patricia, the Eagles' defensive coordinator. If you want to include the D-backs coach in this conversation and his effect, please do so. Um, James Bradbury fell off a cliff this year. He yes. went from second-team All-Pro to one of the worst cornerbacks in the National Football League. The age says you have to at least consider the fact that maybe that lost step because of another year on the calendar had that big effect, or you can factor in how much you think it should be factored in. He was poorly coached. He was asked to do things he shouldn't be asked to do um, on both the coordinators and or the um, secondary coach, positional coach's effect. How much you putting on coaches? How much you putting on? Yeah, the guy just got it real old real fast. Um, I, I put a lot on the coaches um, from the perspective of, of, of putting him in positions that you should have known he shouldn't succeed at, uh, name, namely the slot. But even moving, flipping sides later in the season um, when he had already was having a poor season. Um, I think was a mistake. 
on the other hand, I'm not I'm not going to say is poor coaching. I mean, James has been around a long time. James, is, that's the strength of James Bradbury. I just talked about Jack Del Rio. Same thing. TJ Edwards, same thing. He's a smart player. He coaches it. By this point, he, he knows how to play. He knows how to play. Um, so, you know, that it, it's certainly possible that he just lost two steps, I think, as Mike Gill said earlier in the week, and he's got nothing left. That's that's a possibility that you 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 have to acknowledge that's a possibility. Yep. I I don't think that's the case, and and we're going to see with Big Fangio, and you know maybe we don't see because maybe how he moves on, how he sort of said he's under contract, he's in the plans, but you know when GMs say that, that's uh, you know it might be the kiss of death. Uh, so if they draft. And I think it might be a situation where if they get, find something better, for instance, Quinion Mitchell, we're talking about the draft. If they're able to target him, trade up, get him, Bradbury's probably going to gone post June 1st cut, probably gone. Uh, if you can't get better, um, run it back, give it a shot because this guy's a great zone corner and you're going to play a bunch of zones. So in theory, the, the fact that he can't run like Quinion Mitchell or a younger quarterback or even Kaylee Ringo on, on the team um, shouldn't be as much of an issue here, especially with Vic Banjo, as maybe some other schemes like Steve Spagnolo or Wink Martindale in Michigan or um, – We'll see how that works out with Wink in Michigan or Brian Flores or guys who are going to, you know, bring the house all the time. Um, shouldn't be as important. So I, I think he he could have a bounce back season. You know, it's going to be a great chess match behind the scenes matchup next year in college football. Wink Martindale against Chip Kelly. Think about that. I mean, we're used to seeing that on a National Football League game uh, field on Sunday, Michigan against Ohio State. Wink Martindale. If I had if I had told you that that was going to be the case in November, yeah, I, Michigan I, Ohio State could be decided next year by Wink Martindale against Chip Kelly. Well, we, we, yeah. Tony, what the frig have you been drinking? I That's what you happened. know we talked a lot about how many college coaches are trying to get to the NFL because of the ships in in how things are done at the college level. I can't believe Wink Martindale is going to be long for Michigan. I, I think that's going to be a, a one-year pit stop. Now, at his age, it might be more difficult to get back in the league. Um, but I think that's a I don't. I don't think he wanted to go to college. And certainly we know Chip Kelly didn't want to stay in college. He no, wanted – He, he, he tried, wanted – yeah. He interviewed everywhere. He called every number that he had in his Rolodex to try and get the hell out of UCLA yeah. and become an OC in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, but it's one of those things. Um, but it is going to be interesting. It is going to make Michigan-Ohio State fun, at least for the short term. But I think both of those guys want to get back in the NFL as quickly as possible. Oh, I wanted to bring this up, Jody. Uh, well, one, I, Tom Pelissero, and since we didn't get Greg Cody on, a shame, because I wanted to talk to Greg. But I did want to bring up, because Tom 
reported on some of the competition committee stuff that we we were talking about earlier in the week. Um, what and, and he came up with two interesting nuggets. Uh, well, there's more than that. Special teams coordinators are going to meet Saturday and try to craft a modified kickoff rule, which I hope they come up with something because um, it's a waste of time at this stage. But the two things we talked about. Can I just jump in and interrupt John? I'll let you finish yeah. what you're gonna say. I don't believe it for a millisecond. I think Take this off. is I think this is a CYA show that you care. There's a portion of fans out there who think that the removal of the kickoff is the downfall of the National Football League. You took out the so they need to do something that they they care and they tried. Not happening. Unless they can come up with some way that is injury proof, they're not doing it. The research, the analytics say concussions happen on kickoffs. They lost tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in concussion lawsuits. Not happening. The kickoff, my, my prediction, kickoff. Yeah, then uh, you know what? Win. Then just drop it. Get it out of the game. Just start it to 25 or do whatever. I mean, it, it is a waste. That would be the logical thing to do. You know why they haven't done that? Um, because there is a portion of the fans who say, how dare you take the kickoff away for it? It's the most exciting play. Gail Sayers. And it just put them in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, of the one, of, one of the things is, and I'll, I'll say this pretty, the NFL talks about these studies they do. They never give us the studies. Um, and I'll even say, because this one supports me, we were talking about the touchback rule, fumbling through the end zone. Now you're on one side, I'm on the other side. So what Tom said, but I'll acknowledge this, it only happened four times in over 40,000 offensive snaps last season. And, and the league feels it's a product of poor technique. So that's, it completely bolsters my argument. But I'll also say, you know, and it's easy. That's easier. So that's a little bit different than kickoff and injury rates because you can go through every play. And I believe them. It only happened four times. But I'm just saying they never give the background information. They just say it. And you're supposed to accept it. And the second one was um, trying to pull it back up. The tush push, which obviously we've talked. Yeah, about. That, that was Troy Vincent. Yeah. Roy Vincent came out and said that whole who was it who reported that Roger Goodell was working behind the scenes to try and get the touch push. I removed. think that was P Pro Football Talk, but I'm not positive. Um uh yeah, there were two hundred Troy Vincent crapped on that and said there's no opposition to the touch push. No. There were two hundred and ninety-nine sneaks last season, most in modern NFL history. And success rates were actually slightly higher without a push. So for the rest of the league that, and you saw it, other teams doing it weren't successful. They were more, the rest of the teams were more successful with a regular quarterback sneak than a tush push. Um, when they tush pushed it, it didn't work because they were bad at it, which bolsters the Eagles. opinion. And make sure you say, teams other than the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. Because we know other how good the Eagles were. The other teams who tried to copycat yes. the touch push weren't effective in general, and he sure as hell weren't as effective as the Philadelphia Eagles. And that, that, that's the point. The league as a whole, though, so as you include the Eagles, who were very successful with it, 
the the league as a whole, so all 32 teams were more successful with quarterback sneaks, conventional quarterback sneaks, than tush-push quarterback sneaks. And yes, the Eagles elevated that, but it still went to the other way. So, yeah, I think what it says is, all right, people get emotional. That was my argument with the touchback thing. When their team makes a bad play, they get emotional. Stop legislating over emotion. That's my point. The tush push. Oh, the Eagles are good at it. Everybody else stunk at it. So, you know, it ain't easy just because you think it's easy um, when it comes to the tush push. So, but the NFL will never learn. They will never learn. They they take too much in the moment when there's something happening. And the best example of this is overtime. Overtime, the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes thing. They lose their minds. It's like it's one game. Yeah, it's a big game. It's a big spot. You don't have to upset the whole landscape because of emotion in the moment. That's my thought. That that I will agree with you on. Uh, they they can be classic overreactors. All right, quickie timeout. Come back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports and certainly the easiest when you're watching the NBA and the NBA playoffs are almost here and you can win money making picks. What are you waiting for? Sign up on underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code WIN. An underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get ready for the NBA and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, Mac and Mac guys here on Bridge 365. Good week. Enjoy all your combine watching over the weekend. Pay strict attention when the corners play. And John gave us uh, breaking news earlier, in case you weren't listening earlier. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, who a lot of people have suggested could very well be the Eagles pick at 22. I'm one of them. He's, uh, I think he is value at that point. I think he's that good a player. I think cornerback is a position of need for the Eagles. So a lot of boxes get checked for Kool-Aid McKinstry to be an Eagle. Until we found out today that he's got what? What's the injury? The foot injury? A Jones fracture in his foot. Uh, now, evidently plans to work out at his pro day, which is, I think, March 20th, Alabama's pro day. And then he's going to have surgery uh, after his pro day. Um, now, do you, is that a, is that a smart move or is that I a don't move? think so. I don't, I don't either. If I, I'm a team, I don't care how good he looks yeah. at his pro day and then he's going to have surgery and the surgery and, might not go well. And, and then that all might of a change. I got mean, an that, injured player. Those are early reports. I mean, somebody might get to him and say, or get to his representative and say, this is probably not a good idea. Better off having get it done. First. Yeah. yeah. Let's get it done. That's the way I would want to handle it. Um, yep. But yeah, I I can't take that kid at twenty second overall now. Uh, bottom line, so you know, then you start talking about second round. If he starts falling a little bit, you know, then maybe it's good value for the Eagles at fifty and fifty three. Um, but yeah, uh, it, 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 things change all the time, man. All the time. Cornerbacks are going to be worth watching this week. And here's the one thing. And I'll watch way too much. I got an NFL network on right now on my TV. I'm like Sean McVay. Just give me the data, baby. Give me the yeah. data afterward. Here's here's where Sean McVay is missing out and all the other teams that don't show up. You miss out on the, the misinformation, too, because we know what it's like the two weeks leading up to the draft. Everybody's lying. Everybody wants to get a story out there to make teams, but make people believe something so that they might be able to benefit. It just... One lie after the other. Sometimes it starts as early as the combine. So I'm going to ask Johnny Mac to put the lie detector on this one. The general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers says they're completely good with Kenny Pickett going forward as their NFL starting quarterback. Yeah, you buying or is that misdirection? That's misdirection. Yeah, so I mean, I, how could I you be completely happy? Even if they're – even if they're – now <clears> – <throat> If they can't find an upgrade and say, all right, we're willing to go forward with Kent. We're not giving up on him. I'll, I can buy that. But to be completely happy, come on. No, I'm not buying that. That's the same <laughs> thing I saw when I read that story. That's so, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, I've watched Kenny pick a play. And I thought he was the first draftable quarterback in his draft. Very weak class. And he did go in the first round because mm -hmm. it was a very weak class. And he deserved to go in the first round for a team that was desperate, Pittsburgh. And he's had two mediocre years. He yeah. has done nothing to jump off the page and go, all right, well, he's getting better at this. He does this well. He's just middle of the road. That's what he is. And it's well, not one year, hey, it's two years. You know, 
that was a bad draft, as you mentioned, for quarterbacks. Um, and he was the first quarterback taken. You rarely see that anymore. But think about that <clears throat> 2021 draft, Jody. I know we got to go, but Trevor Lawrence won overall. All right, he's been fine, but not as good as most of us thought. Yep. Zach Wilson, number two overall. He 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 got permission Bust. to make a trade. Completely. Let Trey me Lance, let me emphasize this word. Bust. Trey Lance. He's a number, bust. Trey Lance at number three overall. He's already moved on. Uh, Justin Fields, number eleven. He's gonna get traded. Mac Jones at number fifteen. You had five quarterbacks in the top fifteen. The only one starting for his team probably next season is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. But Justin Fields could land somewhere and actually do well by him. We shall see. See how that plays out. But, hey, don't worry, Steeler fans, you got Kenny Pickett. Or at least that's what they're trying to make you believe. Uh, J-Mac, good week. I say we do it again next week. You in? Let's do it. You'll get Mac and Mac right back here in two and two days, that is, over the weekend. Enjoy the combine, everybody. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.